0: another episode of The Breakdown. One of the big things that we've been seeing over the last little while is there have been a lot of conversations that have to do with the idea of how provincial political parties, and probably federal ones too, maintain discipline. Uh, or make sure that they're getting what they're wanting from not only their MLAs and their ministers, but also their members. Now, this has been going on. It's been simmering a slow boil for a couple of months now, but things have really come to a head over the last little bit. And that's in no small part due to the fact that there are people who are standing up and saying, that's not good enough. Uh, we're very, very excited to be joined by one of those people who has been doing an amazing job of sharing her story across social media. We're joined tonight by Sherry Valentine. Sherry, thank you so much for joining us tonight.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: So before we get too far into the, the drama part, let's just do sort of a broad, high level. Who is Sherry Valentine?
1: Sure. Uh, born and raised in Alberta. Um, for a long time, I thought I was a conservative. Uh, I've been involved in various levels of politics since 1994, and I've always just sort of stayed in the back or volunteered. You know, I never really got into that inner circle, so I never really got super deep into this piece of it. i deeply involved with my community. I'm a mom. I volunteer a lot, not just for the NDP, but for other organizations as well, and I'm an advocate for several different uh, causes.
0: So how did you get involved with the NDP? Especially if you thought you were conservative.
1: (laughs) That's actually a really interesting question. And I've been asked it for a long time because I was publicly in support of another party for a while. And then I think as people grow, it's okay to admit that your views have changed or how you feel has changed. And so what it was with the NDP was I was very happy they got elected. But then I'll describe it as one word. The word is finally. So it was a bit of a rocky start in some ways, but there were pieces of legislation that had been bothering me for so long. And it was like, oh, finally, someone's doing this, like things that just made sense that were for the people. And so I sat back and watched and was like, oh, finally, finally, oh, finally. And I thought, you know what? This is remarkable. i got to get involved. And so that's what brought me to the party.
0: So what, when you say get involved, there's lots of different people have different sort of uh, thresholds for involvement. Uh, Some people would consider just voting for that party being involved. What kind of, just for context, what kind of level of involvement are we talking about for you?
1: Well, apparently I don't know how to do anything small. So I started volunteering and... I actually started working, Um, at first I was working a non-political position within the legislature, and then I actually moved up to be a political staffer. Um, I doorknocked six days a week, quite often. Um, Yeah, I was really passionate about maintaining public education, public health care, and doing what's right for people. And it was the only way I really knew how to advocate best, was to continue to knock on doors have conversations with Albertans that are very much like me. Maybe they thought they were a conservative too, but after a good conversation, maybe they'd reconsider. So I found power in that and just continued down that path nonstop for years.
0: What kind of roles did you play within the NDP other than the door knocking and the the political staffer?
1: Sure. So I sat on my EDA. Um, I volunteered for various campaigns. I... I was a political staffer at one point. I had a positive experience with that. Uh, and I, I also worked as an admin staff for a while. So I was kind of everywhere. I'd go to council, go to convention, and really just organizing people. Like that's what it's about for me It's that grassroots piece and people and getting other people involved, people who might not feel like they know enough or, you know, that politics isn't accessible enough, making it more accessible for folks. That was really okay. what I enjoyed doing, yeah.
0: Okay. Um, and it's things have changed. So let's start from with where did, I mean, what you're describing is, is, is somebody who's a, a very passionate, a very active, committed to the cause, volunteer, um, and... From, from what, is, what is seen on social media, the, the, the tenor of, of that
1: relationship with the NDP has changed. So, what happened? It has changed. Uh, and sometimes you have to break up with things in life that are, are not what you saw coming. I have a photo and a letter of Rachel Notley framed in my living room. So, um, this is a huge change. But, you know, I'm not the only one speaking out about this. I witnessed terrible treatment of women and terrible treatment of volunteers by in my case, one particular staffer. I won't speak to other people's story, but mine was one in particular. And, you know, blind loyalty can often shift into abuse really easily. And so it was that like, Oh, we just put up with that, right? Like we just put up with that. And as nominations started to come and I started to introduce new people to the party, I wanted to be that warm welcome for them and i was reaching out to a lot of people who were running and encouraging them and i started getting questions like what's with this why is this happening this this doesn't seem right and when you have to verbalize it to other people you start to hear yourself and you're like yeah no this is not right and um i I was in contact with a lot of folks in calgary which is funny because i didn't have a lot of involvement with them before i wasn't very active in calgary um and just hearing from so many people on the ground that disappointment and and realizing you're not alone you know it got to the point where i knew i couldn't stay anymore and so on may 11th i wrote um some facebook messages to the ed somebody that i really looked up to and respected she taught me a lot politically and i very clearly described that i was leaving because of abusive behavior i named the staff member I talked about the fear I had around losing the next election as a result of not dealing with this issue. And yeah, so I just left quietly, actually. Uh, I I didn't ask them to do anything. I, I, I told them they should, but I didn't formally lodge a complaint because I know firsthand so many women have already identified this issue. So this is not brand new to the party. I've heard stories from 10 years back, we're talking about somebody that's displayed some pretty vile behavior. And uh, so I was just going to go away quietly, which it's tough, right? Like to just go away. And then people started asking, where are you? Are you coming to this event? Like, what's going on with you? Because you've been so vocal and now you're so quiet. And I'm just too honest of a person to not say something. So when I woke up, on saturday morning and i saw other people sharing their experiences about that particular staff member and i saw him arrogantly blocking people calling people liars i was like wow like this is never gonna end so i was a little testy and i called him a name and called out called him out I said you're a misogynist you treat people terribly this is not okay and uh The difference between him and I is I was no longer a party member. I'm no longer um, a staffer. I have no obligation to bite my tongue, but he is. And, like, I've been donating to this guy's salary on a monthly basis, and he had the audacity publicly to say it was no loss to the party. Well, clearly it was, because my phone has not stopped. It's been nonstop with support and solidarity for coming out and calling it out. This is the old boys club. It still exists. And it's time for some change.
0: So I guess the the first question that I have to ask is when you, as comfortable as you are, to be clear, um, but when you're talking about you started to notice uh, abusive behavior, can you give our audience an idea of what kind of things you're talking about?
1: So I'll go back to just one my own first experience with this person, because I did avoid them. I knew what they were about, and I just knew to avoid this particular person as much as I could while still doing party work. Um, But before I was a political staffer, this is a man who thought it was acceptable to cut his toenails and leave them on the desk. This is a man that thought it was okay to eat food out of Tupperware containers, leave them in the staff room, and when asked to clean them, tell me it was my job to clean his Tupperware. This is somebody who just has never been reined in and has been given a full permission slip to act like he's the ultimate authority and that everybody else has no importance.
0: Now, when you say permission slip, where's this permission slip coming from?
1: Well, I think it's coming from a lot of people, a lot of people who know, who know exactly who they are. Um, I left that office and I was so glad to get away from him. I thought it was just me. I thought that because my title was like technically admin that that's why, like maybe it was my job role. But then even when I took on a bigger role, it didn't change. And when I got to my new office and started meeting other people, the stories were the same. I'll tell you right now, I was in BC a couple months ago. There's conversations with women happening in BC or there was when I was there about how this person has treated them in bc and why they don't want them working for the bc NDP. this is somebody who has a long well-deserved reputation for how they treat women
0: are you aware of any complaints that have been made about this person yes are you aware of any action that's been taken ever okay. oh
1: i shouldn't say that i mean before i was around I've heard that there was something that happened, but I can't speak to it because I wasn't around. But you know, if you if you give somebody some sort of discipline and send them away, and then just wait till everything calms down and bring them back, that's not meaningful action. That's performative.
0: Yeah, I mean, I just can't help but think like if I if if I was to leave uh, toenail clippings on my coffee table at my house, my my wife would murder me. Um, I. I <laughs> I can't imagine uh, doing that sort of thing in a professional workplace.
1: Yeah. Among other so, things. <laughs> yeah. So
0: you're, you you said you woke up on Saturday. I'd like to talk a little bit about how you chose to, underscore his erroneous statement that you of not of any value to the, the party, because that was a, a very creative and I think a very powerful solution. What did, you, what did
1: you do? Well, I was hurt, let's be first and foremost. Like that, for years, volunteers and other staff and women have felt that we're nobody and we don't matter but to see somebody have the audacity to put it in writing for everyone to see. So like, I've been completely vulnerable. I have put myself out there time and time again. I've been in situations that were even dangerous on the doors, fighting the good fight or so I thought. And so to publicly declare what we've all known all along, I just decided to show some of definitely not even close to all of the photos of the countless hours I've put in. Right. And, I think you know if you're going to tell me i'm nobody or i don't know how to organize or i don't know people like i do i do know how to do this and i am a loss to the party because i did a lot whether you recognized it or not um other people recognized it and i think that's kind of what caused this stir is that i did treat volunteers with kindness and when i brought people in it was for the right reasons we weren't looking for power or opportunities for our career We were doing the work because we believe that the NDP is the party that's going to help the people, that's going to remove the corruption, that's going to fight the good fight for us. So, um, you know, did I know what I was doing? I mean, I'm a trained political staffer. You trained me. Yeah, I knew what I was doing.
0: Now, I think it's important to, to sort of. Because one of the things that we've heard in some of the conversations that we've had about some of these issues this week, because this is going to be part of a, a three-episode series, because there's just so much, um, is that while there are certainly some people who seem to really take it far, would you describe this as like an isolated problem, or is this something that, that you've seen reflected in other, other people in the party?
1: I think when you give even one person permission to behave that way, you're going to see it repeated and mirrored in other people. So I can't sit here and honestly say it's an isolated incident. I can only speak to my experiences, but that's definitely there is a systemic issue here. And I think it could be something as simple as sometimes when women are in power in progressive parties, they make the assumption that the men that they employ are decent human beings. I watched that individual that I had issues with when he was around elected officials and people that had political value to him, by the way, political value is his term, not mine. And he behaved completely differently than he did when they weren't looking. So I don't think it's an isolated incident, but I think it's solvable. I like, I don't think it requires like overthrowing the leader or cleaning the entire house, but I mean, it's, Thursday night, and this person's still comfortably sitting in their desk. So I think it speaks to a bigger issue.
0: One of the things that's been fascinating to watch as, as people have come forward, particularly women, expressing concerns about uh, the interactions that they've had with a variety of political parties, but specifically this, this last little bit, the the NDP, is there's this reaction that we see from folks who probably would identify themselves as NDP stalwarts and that kind of thing. Um, where they say, Ah, oh, you gotta not say these things. You gotta not raise, you know, you're gonna you're gonna let the U C P win again and we just have to we just have to accept this. What's your
1: what's your reaction to that? Well I have my own experience with being on both sides. So when Crystal Lee came forward, I was still very involved with the party and so they make sure the messaging hits hard make sure it trickles right down those key messages and so i was told this is somebody that didn't understand the nomination process this is somebody who's just bitter because they wanted to be an elected official right and that's what i chopped it up to there was a whole team of us cheering for her because like the stuff she was saying was real but you know i wasn't going to engage in it because you know, the same story was the same story about Robin Luff. or like we were given stories about each person that left. And so I've been on that side of it where I'm like, okay, like, I'm sort of enjoying what you're saying because I agree with it. But shh, we got to keep this quiet. Like we can't give the UCP any wins like this could cause damage, right? But I think it's that mentality and attitude that they're just assuming is enough. And for people who are so passionate about people, that's not enough. Winning is not enough.
0: Do you think that, I mean, one of the things that came up in the conversation with, with Krista was the idea that by saying to people, um, you got to turn a blind eye to this because we've got to beat the, the UCP, that you're, I mean, not only enabling those behaviors because you're not taking appropriate corrective action but also that you're you get engaged in a behavior where are constantly lowering the bar because we have to win we have to win do you think that there's any any validity to that or is like what's your what's your take on that
1: so i think um it was unsustainable so i think when i saw this behavior in 2019 that was my exact attitude like i'm not gonna rock the boat Uh, We had a staff meeting at the legislature, because there was some other stuff happening around that time, and they sat us all down and said, this is a procedure, like, if you're being treated poorly, this is what you do, and I just called it right out in that meeting. I said, we know exactly who you value more than other people, so we're not going to come forward with this stuff, right, and I think it was enough in 2019, but somebody needs to be monitoring the retention and the numbers of people that are like, I'm shocked at the people I'm hearing from people. I would never have expected people I thought would be loyal for life. I, I knew I would never be loyal for life. If they continue to do good work, I would, but my values are too strong to just stick to a partisan party and just that's it. Right. And so I just think it's unsustainable. And with the attitude of these people with so much power being like no loss, no loss. They won't say anything. They don't want the UCP to win. They'll still vote for us because so there's nobody else. That's not what I'm hearing. And I was hearing it even before I resigned from some people that we that I'd be phoning on Call Hub and stuff, and they'd say I spoiled my last ballot. You guys made me mad when you did blank, right? And so if you look at it in pockets, like you you've angered these people who you know are environmentalists, uh, and you put in a pipeline, like that's a pocket of people. And then oh, even right now, like not taking a stand against charter schools, like you're alienating another pocket. And these are pockets of grassroots people, the people who built the party, the people who pull us across the election line, whether we win or not, whatever seats we get are due to these people. And so, yeah, I do think that that attitude was just simply unsustainable because I, I, when it comes down to it, people are looking at it and they're looking at how angry Calgary is and they're like, okay, we're not even going to win. so. Why am I staying silent? If they're just going to destroy, they're just doing it to themselves anyway. Why are we staying silent?
0: Here's an interesting perspective that I'd like to get from you, because you have seen both sides of the coin. And, and as you said, you were a staffer when, when the whole thing with Krista kicked up in the, initially. Um, why is it, do you think, that rather than, especially when there's patterns of behavior, So not just like the one off, but when there's when there's patterns of behavior where you can go, I'm starting to notice something here. Why is it do you think that, I mean, not just the NDP, but certainly other political parties as well, rather than look at these situations as opportunities to change, address situations and become better. The reaction seems to be uh, shun them, shun them now. Why is that, do you
1: think? I don't know like I think some of the individuals that are being named I think maybe people think they're political geniuses but clearly they're not because they wouldn't be the freaking story if they were and um I've worked with them and been really unimpressed with some of their strategies and, and and this isn't for everybody I have to stop and say there's some amazing folks that do work for the NDP that keep up the good work it's they know exactly who we're talking about. Um, I think I think because it's worked in the past. Like when we look at some of those MLAs that never ran again or, you know, crossed the floor, whatever it is, it worked. They did stay silent. And but that's not sustainable. And it's not sustainable because people there's still the whisper network that happens. So you build a community people are going to talk even if there's fragmented pieces of it you're still going to hear things right like so i think because it's worked just bury it right like there's lots of things you can just bury in politics but when you claim to be a party for women and and that it's so important to have equity and diversity and inclusion but then you allow staff to act as though we're the ucp it's not people aren't going to continue to stay silent and I'll be honest, like, my friends are getting phone calls not to speak to me. Like, not only have you hurt me by alienating me from my own party, ignoring the claims that everyone's making and, and, and the abuse that's happened, but on top of it, you're trying to take away my social circle. Like, that's a really terrible way to do this. And unfortunately, if they continue to try and bully their way out of this, more people are going to keep speaking. Why do you think? Like,
0: it's it's difficult to uh, to convey to express. I don't know what the word would be the the reality of it. Because if someone was to say in an isolated space, the NDP are calling my friends and telling them not to talk to me. A lot of people's immediate reaction would kind of be like, okay. But the reality is, is that this isn't the first time that we've heard this tactic talked about. We've heard other people who have come forward have the exact same experience where their friends are being told, from their their friends who are involved with the NDP, are being told, oh, we need you to not be interacting with this person, we need you to not be talking with them, don't engage with their social media, and, and all of that kind of piece it's 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 so far down the rabbit hole that it, if it wasn't a pattern it's it's really hard to believe but it's i mean i'm going to i'm going to throw the word draconian out there and it's shocking that that's a reality in Alberta politics in 2022 i know that i've kind of asked this question in the same way but why why would they do
1: that because it has worked in the past so While we're chatting, 30 minutes ago, I saw somebody else came out. I had to start this interview, so I haven't seen what's happened, but somebody else just came out and verified that as well. Same thing about people not talking to you, or you'll you'll get exiled is a word I've heard that's been used from the party because it's worked. And people who come that heavily into politics and that passionately into politics, it's because, well, it's like if you loved a sport. You don't wanna get permanently banned from it. And so people who aspire to be staff or aspire to continue to put forward resolutions that are gonna change the world, right? These aspirations that people have when they get that involved, the threat is will take that away from you. You'll lose all power, right? You'll never get another job in a party. You're not gonna work on another election. And when you have the experience that most of us had, like 90% of it was wonderful, 99 even. Um, I made, I met the best people and had so much fun and have wonderful campaign stories. So they threatened to take that away from you on all levels. And they have that power, right? They can interfere federally. They can interfere municipally. And we don't just work provincially. All of us try and, and do our duty. We're not only interested in one type of party politics. It's, we have, we're interested on in all levels. So the threat is really real. And when you've spent years of your social time dedicating to the NDP, most of your friends are also in the NDP. So if I go to someone's kid's birthday party next week, how many people are going to give me the cold shoulder? Because they have to, because they'll lose their job, because they can't put food on their table, because they talk to me. That's the threat. And that's what needs to change on top of the abusive behavior.
0: Is there a part of you, I mean, one of the themes that has come up over and over again is that we saw it with the UCP, the leader sets the tone. Is there a part of you that, I mean, I'll I'll ask the question this way. Have you heard from Rachel Notley expressing disappointment with the situation or regret with the, the way that things have played out? Have you seen her say anything other than growing pains?
1: I wish. And what I think is funny is that the word growing pain I used in my resignation, those 15 people used in their resignation. Like how many months are we gonna talk about growing pain? Right? I wish. Um, I really wanted not to say much. Like I I, I want to I wanted to, to keep this party as whole as possible, right? Like I wanna cover up the holes. Like the interviews I've done over the last few days, I still stayed on message. Like I'm still Doing damage control, it's really hard to take that out of a person that's been doing it for so long. You know, a lot of it got cut, which I wasn't surprised about, but um, I know what you're asking me, and I'm not trying to dance around it. I'll say this much. I, When I was young, I was obsessed with Jared Leto. Like, I had walls and pictures of him, loved him, and then I finally got the opportunity to meet him, and it absolutely broke my heart. He was such a dick. And so... When I saw Rachel on TV saying things like, there's two sides to every story or growing pains," it was that like 17-year-old girl inside that was heartbroken all again, right? Like this is another Jared Leto situation where I'm like, man, like I literally have stood in tons of rooms chanting your name. I have an entire drawer of clothing with your name on it. There was so much shame and embarrassment around even telling my story and then for her to double down on it was it was very hurtful like i've always looked up to her she's been a role model i really like her husband like i like her kids you know like this was very painful to see and no i didn't i didn't hear i didn't hear from anybody except when i reached out so that was really disappointing i was really disappointed in some people and then there's other people that i understand why like I know why you're not reaching out to me despite caring about me and being thankful for the work I did for your campaign. campaigns it's because you can't reach out to me. Right. So this is very similar to like religious abuse, if I'm being honest, right? Like you get excommunicated from a church or, or, you know, kicked right out of your whole area you live in, you know, shunned, if you will, that's what's happening here. I
0: mean, I, I have another serious question, but before I do, did the Jared Jared Leto experience take the sting out of the Joker debacle? <laughs> I've
1: never seen Joker. I've never watched him again. I'm, a, I don't know what you're talking
0: about. He 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 did a, a a Joker in the movie Suicide Squad, and it it was not great. Okay. By a lot oh, of he's a jerk. Me- he had issues. He to- it was it was but it's a serious
1: question. I have seen it. So I'm sorry. When it comes to pop culture, like, I'm such a nerd. I'm a political nerd. I'm like, I haven't seen that movie. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> no, it's a good thing. Nobody, nobody, no, I don't think anybody really did. It was just the memes that came out of his Bad Joker performance. Um, and now Warner, now Warner Brothers is probably going to sue me. Um, but in, in all seriousness, though, we have, we've seen the, the messaging that comes out over and over again from political leaders or people aspiring to political leadership, one of the things that we've heard over and over again is that, in especially when a party's in government, the leader really does have the, the final say on everything. What would you say to somebody who's trying to to reconcile the public identity that Rachel Notley has crafted for herself of of being for the people and being for women and and all of those things with your own personal
1: experience? I can tell you how I reconciled it myself, working under that leadership. Um, It's that people called us the accidental government and I didn't ever feel that way. I felt like people were really fed up with, entitlement and privilege and all of that stuff and so I don't think it was an accident that people went to put our names on their ballots but I think like it was so unexpected and like so overwhelmingly like like we just weren't ready right like a lot of the people who wound up becoming MLAs like it's no secret they were knobs like name on a ballot right like it was like it's not even it's not even a bad term like people want to be knobs sometimes right like just put my name out it's no secret that a lot of these people were never actually intended to do the job. But when you believe in democracy, you're still going to put a name out so that people have a choice to still vote for the party that they want. So in 2015, I could reconcile it by being like, listen, like everyone's really excited, new to power. Power does things to people at all levels. So when you've got that many MLAs, you know, I have this great idea. And knowing that because this has been a grassroots party, and these are people who are very passionate. That's how I reconciled it. You have to rein them in, right? Like you can't just have people going rogue. You know, I, I heard excuses for things like, well, that person wants this ridiculous piece of legislation introduced and we just can't do that. And to some extent, I participated in some of that where I'm like, absolutely. Like there are things that are, will be the death of a political party, like There's always going to be people in the NDP trying to pull us so far left that we wouldn't stand a chance. And so that's how I reconciled it. And to a certain extent, I could still probably live with all of that. Um, I don't know, like seeing people that have been around two, three terms and are still completely whipped is weird to me. Like, have you not earned the trust of the leader by now? Um, And yeah, I just think, That it's time for us to reevaluate the grassroots. There does not need to be that type of leadership anymore. We can go back to being like, okay, we have a great group of people. We have a foundation. And you know what? I strongly believe that the NDP could or could have up until this nomination nightmare still won the ethical way, the grassroots way. A lot of us believe that. And so these like political brain people who think that they know Albertans or that they they, they have more insight than party members who have been around forever have been given permission to ruin things. So they need to really do some reevaluating. I don't know if they will. I'm sure everyone that watches this video is going to be cursing my name. I can't imagine the things being said about me, but those that know me know I'm always honest, right? Like this isn't about my agenda. I joined because I care about people and I want to see this return to the party of the people.
0: So here's my, my question for you. I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it in two parts. What would you want to see from Rachel Notley, from the party leadership? What, what makes this right for you?
1: I think it's gone too far. Like, I think I'm a lost cause, really. I tried. In, even after my viral tweet, I reached out to the party and I was like, squash this. I don't want this to get as big as it's going to get. It's going to snowball. Squash it. Um, I said, I need somebody to call me. Like nobody from the party has given me a call to hear my side of it or talk to me. And I was promised a call and I never got it. So we're just past that point, right? Like I called Sarah Hoffman's office. I expressed all of this to the person that works for her. We're past that point. We know that they've known for a long time. I guess at this point, it's just about how far they're really going to keep pushing this, right? Like, if it's not going to be swept under the rug, like, I have fear for how bad this is going to get if they don't do the right thing. So for me, I would love to see some of the nepotism and um, some of the conflict of interest removed. Like, like looking at the executive, who really sits on there? Like when a situation like this comes up, right, are there people that are sitting on the executive that have a vested interest in supporting this type of behavior? If so, you got to change the executive um i'd love to see a whistleblower hotline they're super easy you call up there's some law firms that do them right in alberta and it's like hey if you're a volunteer or a candidate or whatever and you ever have an issue call this number but it doesn't matter if people call that number until they actually deal with the systemic issues and i'm not talking about giving these staff members like some sort of training this isn't one of those training opportunities this has gone so far, for so many years, I don't know, maybe they just know too much, I'm not sure why they keep hanging on to these people that, well, they're ruining the party.
0: Do you think there's an argument to be made, you know, when people say, uh, you were talking a minute ago about the, 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 the things that you think people will say about you, do you think there's an argument to be made when people say to you, or other people who are raising the alarm, why are you doing this to the party? That maybe the question should be, why is the party doing this to themselves?
1: Yeah, and that's been my response. So I know Krista got a lot more um, negativity thrown towards her, but I think because she was the first person to speak out. To be fully clear, I've never met her. We just share a traumatic experience from the same staffer. So I think, I forgot what I was saying. What are we talking about? Sorry.
0: Uh, The the parties, the ones that are doing that to themselves. Oh,
1: yeah. So that has been my response, is that you can't blame me for this. I tried every mechanism. I talked to so many people, right? Like, how long do women have to stay silent for? How much do we have to accept? I've lived under a glass ceiling my whole life. I've seen sexism in almost every place I worked. And I was sure the NDP would be the one place I didn't see it. So I need to leave the world a better place for my nieces, my son so no I don't think you blame the victim at all and on the topic of my son my son has sacrificed a lot for the NDP. he's 16 years old he's missed birthday parties he's grown up in in campaign offices you know mom's been gone lots of the time because of election stuff and he's watching he's 16 and when he saw that tweet he said mommy deserves some justice Now, what message is that sending to my son, who I really hoped would be very politically engaged? He's not going to be interested now. He's like, ah, I watched my mom go through that, right? Like, this goes further than just my grandma knows, my mother knows, my brother's worked seven campaigns, he's done, right? Like, this goes further than just one person, no loss, right? Like, I have a huge circle of people who love me and respect the work I did. And to see it blown up like the way it has over the last few days has harmed more people than just me.
0: Is there anything else you'd like people to hear? Is there anything else you'd like people to to know? And I mean, fundamentally, given that the party doesn't seem to have, as of this recording, which is June 9th, uh, done anything at all, is there anything that you'd like people to, to do?
1: The party or other
0: people? Other people, Um, because the party seems pretty entrenched.
1: Yeah, not really. So I have had a a lot of people tell me they are experiencing guilt this week because they're not sharing their experiences or standing in solidarity. But so many of them are still attached in ways that bring food to their tables that I'm telling them, like, we don't all have to fall on the sword, right? Like if, if, if people don't believe me, there's other people they will believe. There's enough of us that have spoken out. This isn't one bitter ex employee. I actually, had a wonderful time working um, besides this person. Um, I think people just need to believe people when they say something. So it doesn't have to blow up like this. And to just expect better. Like there's so much that, as, particularly as women, we're just told to put up with, right? Like, oh yeah, we just put up with that, right? I'm 40 years old. I'm not putting up with this anymore. This is not okay. I'll call it out. Maybe things will change. Maybe they won't. Maybe they'll lose the election and then have to reevaluate. I'm not sure how this plays out. But I know that when I look back on my life, I know I act with fortitude and that I'm going to do the right thing, even when it hurts me to do it. And I encourage others to do the same in a way that's safe for them.
0: Well, for what it's worth, I don't. Uh, I think you're, you're bang on. You're definitely not alone or isolated because I did see a tweet from a previous uh, NDP MLA where she said that there were uh, enough people in the similar situation to form a whole new party. Yeah. So
1: and that's not of that.
0: that's not a small that's not a small group. Sherry, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to chat tonight. I want to thank you so much for. I mean, really. It, uh, yeah. You just kind of said it right there where you talked about the fact that there are so many people who are so afraid um, not only for, for social reasons but financial reasons. It takes a lot of bravery to stand up and point at a big machine and say, you're, you're hurting people, please stop. Um, so thank you for, for that, that bravery. I mean, one of, the, one of the things that we talk about a lot on the show here is the idea that we need to demand better from everyone. Uh, and when we turn a blind eye to things, it just enables it. Um, so, I mean, you've, you've done a lot of heavy lifting in making sure that people know that this isn't acceptable, and I do hope sincerely, I mean, it's going to take me a day or two to, day or two to edit this, but I do hope sincerely that the, the NDP does recognize that they have a problem that they, they need to deal with because nobody's going to, nobody, is going to win every time a political party just sweeps these things under the rug.
1: Yeah. Thanks for giving us a platform to tell our story, right? Twitter's one thing, but it's good to have it out there for other people to see. Yeah.
0: Well thank you again.
1: You bet, Nate. Nice chatting with you.
0: You too. As always, if you appreciate the kind of content that we're trying to produce here at The Breakdown, we would love it if you swung by our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash TheBreakdownAB and signed up for a small monthly sponsorship of the work that we're trying to do here. It is because of the support that we receive from our Patreon sponsors that we're able to continually up our game and it is tremendously appreciated. So I wanna throw a big thank you out to them. And you can go ahead and visit that website and join and support us as well, because we need all the help we can get. Thank you so much for your attention. Thank you so much for listening and being a part of these important conversations. And we will see you next time on The Breakdown.